What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, and a very special guest today joining me on every other Friday in the foreseeable future, my new co-host, Mr. Zachary Hamill. How are we doing today, Zach? Hey, man. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming on and joining the show. I look forward to doing some episodes here with you in the future. We got a nice uh, NBA stacked episode for today. You know, the finals just ended. The Lakers capture another uh, championship. So I guess we'll uh, we'll start there, kind of just talking about the NBA Finals a little bit and then kind of going into next year as far as what teams are probably going to be um, the favorites and everything. So first and foremost, what were your kind of just impressions overall of the NBA Finals? I think it ended the way we all thought it would as soon as the, they lose um, Dragic and Bam in game one. I know the other – they came back, but they didn't look right the entire time. Um, I think it shows, you know, you get that Superman effort from Jimmy in game five and then in game six, he's just completely done. I think that shows you how much that took out of him and kind of what LeBron has to do every night, which is insane when you really think about it. I, um, you, I come out of it thinking more of Miami than anything, um, because I just didn't expect him to be there. What about you? Yeah. I mean, Obviously, I'm a Heat fan, but even going into, you know, the playoffs, I was kind of expecting them to probably make a run to at least the conference finals, to be quite honest with you. I thought they matched up super well with Milwaukee, just based on the fact from watching them in the regular season. I thought that Bam and the combination of Olenek, Iguodala, Crowder, Butler, they just had so many guys they could throw at him. So I thought they were going to be able to beat the Bucs. I honestly didn't think they were going to beat um, the Celtics, just based on the way Jason Tatum had ended playing the regular season, I thought the Celtics looked really good. Um, obviously, the Hayward injury didn't help them. Um, getting to the finals, obviously, great. Like you said, I didn't expect the Heat to win. I did think that they could have pushed it seven games, had Dragic and Bam been healthy the whole time. That was kind of wishful thinking, but I think, if anything, I was just happy that they got to six games. Everyone was kind of saying they were going to get swept or lose in five. So, for them to push to six, I think, was something great to see, especially from a super young team with a lot of guys who had never even been in the playoffs before. But, in the end, when you got LeBron and AD on the other side, it's only a matter of time before, you know, they kind of take over and blow things open. Yeah, I think, especially in the playoffs, talent rises – so as much as people love to say that the team stuff and they're stronger together than it, it really is about who is at the top of your, your roster. That's why I was, I was surprised to be Boston too. Cause I just thought Tatum was humming. I'm very high on the Celtics next year for that reason. But yeah, it was just a, a really unreal effort the whole way from Miami. And I think Spolster really, you know, showed a lot of people what he's made of as well. Yeah. I think Spoh's an easy top five coach in the NBA. Um, you know, so kind of transitioning off the finals, who would you say your top five, you know, at least for like power rankings to start next year would be in your estimation? Um, well, I think the scary thing for the league is that this is probably as 
bad as the Lakers roster will be with those two guys, assuming LeBron stays healthy, which I don't know why he wouldn't. He never gets hurt. I just think because they, they cleared out all that money for Kawhi last year, didn't get him, and kind of had to patchwork it together, and it still worked. So they're going to have money, whether it's via trade or you know even guys like Joe Harris that will just work with them. They're going to be better. You know, December 1st, we'll, we'll go through that and we can talk about who's out there and available. But I just think, you know, they're the one until someone beats them. Um, the Clippers, I we all can agree, were the most underwhelming team this year. I just think the talent is too strong not to have them, too. Um, we'll see how the coaching thing works out. But Kawhi and George, I know George is a punching bag right now, but they're just the second best two in the league. Um, third is Golden State. I almost had them higher than that, but just because they're both, they're all coming off injury, we got to have to wait and see. But I, those guys, those guys are going to be up there as long as they're playing together, in my opinion. As long as it's Kerr, Draymond, Steph, and Clay, I, you don't want to play those guys. And then four and five. See, I have I have Boston, Denver, Miami in some order. It's kind of hard for me to cut one of those out. I think I think Denver can get better with the Millsap money they're going to lose. I don't know if that, you know, the Bradley Beal thing's probably out the window, but they can bring somebody in. They can use it on Jeremy Grant. I don't know. And then Boston, I just think it's a nice little young core. And then we just saw what Miami did, but that's, that's rounds it, rounds it out for me in some way. I, I can't really cut one of those out. So there's six for you instead of five. Yeah. I'm pretty much on the same boat. I think Lakers obviously have to be one with LeBron and AD there. There's, it's very hard to even, come close to that combination obviously Paul George and Kawhi like you said they underachieve for sure I think Tyron Lue is going to be an interesting hire for them I think he's going to hold them more accountable the interesting thing for the Clippers for me is I agree I think they're the second best team the big thing um is what free agents they're going to be able to bring back you know Montrezl Harrell big piece to you know their core is a free agent, and if he walks, that's definitely a huge loss for them. Um, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, obviously continue to get up there in age, um, but I still think, like you said, they're still the second best. I also had Golden State at three. When Steph and Clay are on the court, as long as they're healthy, I think they're always going to be in the top five. I think Draymond hasn't been as good the past few seasons, but ultimately he's still the glue guy to what kind of makes that offense tick, and I'm very interested to see what they do with their pick. I don't know if they're going to keep it, if they want to try to move it. Um, I mean, we're going to get some into some trades here um, in a few minutes, but um, I definitely think they're three. I actually have Brooklyn at four only because – so the interesting thing for me, and this, the reason I'm looking so forward to this NBA season is the fact that, you know, the last time we saw Kevin Durant, I think personally I thought he was – the best player in the world. But the last time we saw Kevin Durant, LeBron James did not make the playoffs because he had that groin injury and missed pretty much the entire season, or at least the back half of it, and didn't even have a chance to make the playoffs. And then this year, you know, he signs with Brooklyn, but he's not ready to go with Kyrie, and you see what LeBron does. Now it's going to be finally time. Do we get to see, you know, Durant first LeBron in a more even setting compared to when they met in Golden State versus the Cavs. So I think that's a very intriguing storyline. Obviously, health is a big thing, and 
Kyrie has always got something going on, whether it's injury or he's doing something in the locker room. I think Steve Nash was actually a good hire. Um, I think it was kind of out of the blue, but um, I think they're up there. But then, like you said, the five spots so up for grabs because the Celtics have such a good young core. And I think them making the playoffs, same thing as Miami. I think how deep they got was good for both teams. I just think it's how they handle the offseason. Celtics obviously dealt with a lot of injuries. If they stay more healthy, I think that they have probably a better chance than Miami, depending on who they add in the offseason. Because, you know, Dragic is a big question mark for them, and he's a very focal point of the offense. But I'm a big Nuggets fan like you are. You know, Murray um, really showed himself out a lot in the bubble. You know, Jokic is obviously a stud, and I think they finally got their third-wheel option um, in Michael Porter Jr., yeah, we both didn't say Milwaukee, but they're going to be there. Um, they're just going to be co- – their continuation and their coaching and just the way they play, the way they bomb threes and guards the rim, I just think they're going to be 55 wins again. They're just not going to scare anybody in the playoffs till they do it. Yeah, for sure. And I think the reason we don't talk about, you know, my – or excuse me, Milwaukee or even Houston, you know, Houston still has Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I see free fall for them. Yeah, it's going to be I really new. I think Maury leaving, Dan Tony leaving, new ownership that seems he seems like a kind of off putting dude. He, they're going to lowball a coach. I mean, if they we can, I mean, this is a whole other subject, but if they hire Van Gundy, I, I don't know how that goes. I don't, I just don't. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard the Van Gundy thing. And like you said, it's just you don't know what's going to happen because this whole team that's currently constructed was just built on D'Antoni's. They're in a place small. They're just going to have shooters everywhere and let James Harden do his thing and let Westbrook just drive and kick. So then you see all the rumors lately of, you know, Westbrook probably potentially getting moved. Um, We don't know who the coach is going to be yet. I just, the thing with me, and it's the same thing with Milwaukee when I think like this, and it's one of the reasons I hate that the MVP is given for regular season because, you see the past, like, four or five winners being Giannis, James Harden. You know, Curry's obviously a little bit different because he made it into the finals for, you know, four years in a row where Harden and Giannis, they carry their team so well in the regular season. And then once they get to the playoffs, it seems like every year, you know, they get to the second round and something happens where you saw guys like Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray. When you get into that second conference finals whatever it may be in the playoffs like Shaq says if you want your star players to be increasing their point totals by four to five points assist totals by two all this stuff and it seems like Harden and Giannis continue to even Paul George to an extent come up short in the playoffs that's why I really don't like the MVP being a regular season award I mean if you want to do a regular season versus a postseason MVP I wouldn't be opposed to that but I think it, there's something to be said when you get into the playoffs and if you're in the MVP conversation and you carry your team to do something spectacular over someone that gets bounced out. I mean, look at last year. I think Damian Lillard had a great year and he carried that team all the way to the conference finals, meanwhile the Rockets are getting bounced out or the Bucks are getting bounced out. Right. And, and Milwaukee especially, I just – the Houston thing, I'm, I'm less hard on them and hardened, I think, than you are a little bit just because I think the Warriors were such a juggernaut that no one's beaten them. I think I, I hated what the way they played. 
I rooted against them just because it was viscerally upsetting. Like in the, the aesthetics of it, I just didn't like watching it. But I will. They did push that that Durant team harder than anyone else did. The the Milwaukee thing. We just we've seen Budenholzer do, do this in Atlanta. They run a runoff sixty games and then first seed and then just get trucked in the playoffs. So I'm just kind of out on him as an in-game adjustment coach. Like you watch Bolstra and Nurse and Stevens completely flip up the stuff they do in the first and second half and flip up rotations, and it's just it's kind of elementary stuff. And I just you know, God bless Budenholzer. He he comes in places and flips it around real quick, but until I see it in the playoffs, I'm just not going to pick him for a while. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I think Nurse is a great coach. Steven, same thing. Like you said, I think the biggest thing with coaching is how they're going to adjust, you know, in-game. You know, you saw what Spolster was able to do in the finals during different games because the first few games I was getting upset watching the games because I understood they were down, bam, and Dragic, and they still continued to run the zone for a little bit, which – I'm not completely against. I think he runs it a little bit too much because I think if any person knows how to get into the middle of a zone and you penetrate it, it's a lot easier to beat, especially against like a good three-point shooting team. Um, and I was glad to see down the stretch they went to more of a man. But you definitely could tell like Spolster's adjustments, you know, inserting guys like Olenek, Crowder, Iguodala in at certain times to give them different boosts. And I just don't think that like you said, Budenholzer doesn't do that. I mean, granted, yeah, I, he, he, would stick, of... he sticks in minutes limits with, with Giannis, and they're down 3-1 in the series. I, I just can't get my head around that at all. Yeah, and I think it's... the other thing is that, you know, Milwaukee, they spend a lot of money on these good starting players that come up short in the playoffs. Like I think about, you know, Eric Bledsoe. I think Brooke Lopez actually had a pretty decent playoffs, but Chris Middleton was very shaky compared to the regular season. You know, Dante DiVincenzo didn't give them as much off the bench as they probably would have liked. And I didn't think their bench unit overall was as good in the regular season as it needed to be in the playoffs either. Right. And so building off of that, we're going to go through, we each drew up some trades. We kind of want to talk about, um, I'll let you go first giving me a trade and we'll go back and forth doing three each about, you know, just a player that you think is going to be a big trade piece and then a trade you think would be, you know, ideal. Okay. Well, I think the Boston love affair, especially with fans with Gordon Hayward is, is over with. I think there's there the way he's been beat up. I think he needs a fresh start, but he's going to opt into his money this year, barring some sort of insane deal that someone offers him. I just think he's going to, take his player option so they're gonna wait for him to do that and then they need a big i think indiana would welcome him in because he went to butler fans wise at least they need another wing and they need to get rid of the log jam at big man so i think hayward for miles turner straight up the money should be close um they might need to throw in you know g league guys here and there to make it work but it's if it's a one for one straight up i think both teams get better um, and I think both fan bases uh, would 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 like it. They'd rock with it. Yeah, I could definitely see it. I mean, Miles Turner, I think, has definitely seen his last days in you know Indiana. I think Victor Oladipo is another one who said he wants out um, as well. Um, I definitely like the Hayward fit there. I, it'd be really interesting to see how they would have him and Warren play together. 
Um, I think you just go small. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the bonus at the five, because I think a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, there was really up in the air about who they're going to move off of Turner or Sabonis. And that's not a question anymore. Yeah. hundred percent. Sabonis is the easy answer. And it's actually interesting because when I first saw the playoffs come out and I saw Miami was playing Indiana, I thought if Sabonis would have played, there's obviously no way Miami sweeps them. I have definitely think, I think Miami still wins that series, but I wouldn't be surprised if that went six, seven games if they had Sabonis because he's just that much of a difference maker. Yeah, I think I think if they find a way to make it work with Oladipo and they um you know they go whatever it is, Holiday or Brogdon, Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Hayward, Sabonis, that's a small five, but that's a nice five to close games with. For sure. And then my first trade I'm looking at is I'm looking at the Bucks that I just talked about. They're in a position where you know, they're obviously hearing all the noise that Giannis is going to potentially leave. Not a free agent till next year. Um, I think they want to do anything in their power to kind of bring in more pieces around him. And the guy that comes to my mind is Chris Paul because the Thunder are obviously going to be going through a rebuild. Billy Donovan's gone now. He's head coach in Chicago. Um, Chris Paul obviously is still owed a lot of money. But I think you know, going through NBA trade machine, I have Chris Paul and Ferguson going to the Bucks, and then the Thunder get Bledsoe, Lopez, Hill, and DJ Wilson. And you're definitely going to have to throw in a pick in there as well, probably a first-rounder. Um, I just think Chris Paul with Middleton and Giannis would be great from the perspective of Giannis doesn't always have to bring the ball up and generate the offense kind of like he normally has been doing. Chris Paul is going to be able to do that. He's proven that he can get things done in the playoffs. Whether or not Oklahoma City would be able to take on Bledsoe and Lopez or if they would want a younger piece like a Dante DiVincenzo, um, I think would be the biggest question. But I think if the Bucks can find a way to swing Chris Paul, I think that's big for Giannis. Yeah, so Billy Donovan leaving – makes me pretty sure they're going to move on from Paul. It just seems like they're about to rebuild. I think they tried last year and no one really bit the way they thought they would. And then they ended up just being way better than they thought. But you've already heard Gallo talk about wanting to leave and win a ring. They're going to start their rebuild. They're going to build around SGA. And the way Presti's always been is he just wants to gather assets. So like you said, they're going to need the pick. I think the Bucks are just going to have to hope – that they can lowball their way into it, like you said, and not give up Dante. I would guess they're going to ask for him, but they the Bucks just have to have to say this is the offer, and hope that no one like, you know, the Knicks or someone <laughs> hops in last minute and and tops it because uh, I don't see a lot of people willing to take on that money or really being able to take on the money of Paul, but um, he's going somewhere. So Milwaukee would be fun. I just think they they just have to. Pray, hope and pray that no one no one beats them out with a better offer. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they have so many. Oklahoma City has so many picks already. I don't know if I think if they really wanted to get it done, lowballing them with older players like Bledsoe, Lopez, and Hill, they might have to give up additional picks to be like, all right, you can take on or we can get Paul from you. But if they don't want to do that, if they don't want to give up picks, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you said, if they ask for uh, Dante, but what's your next trade? Okay, so I want to get a shooter over to Philly 
because they desperately need one. And Buddy Heald seems like he wants out of Sacramento. I think everyone who spends more than three years there eventually wants out of Sacramento. He um, just signed a big deal. They need a big man. I mean, they would be taking a bath on this a little bit uh, because Horford's contract is so big, but he can still play. He can start at the five for you. He can anchor your defense. If they still have any hope for Marvin Bagley, I guess he can learn from him. They need to look themselves honestly in the mirror and say that we are not even close here. And if they're going to get a ship off buddy to somewhere, I would just ask for the Sixers drafted Zaire Smith. If you remember that Texas Tech Final Four run, that freak athlete, he's just been a little banged up and never jumped up to the NBA. I still, they're still high on him. Throw him in and and maybe hope to develop him into something. And so it would be Buddy healed to Philly to sit uh, sit on the three point line basically and wait for the ball from Simmons and Embiid. They don't have anyone like that. It's that's why they're so botched up. And then. The other going back to Sacramento would be Al Horford and Zaire Smith. Yeah, I mean, I actually we were talking about trades and stuff. I had a very similar one drawn up. I had same thought, you know, Simmons obviously him and Embiid. I think now that they have, you know, Rivers, I think Rivers is going to maximize the potential that they haven't been seeing out of those two. Obviously, the Tobias Harris contract sucks because it's probably one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I don't think Tobias Harris is a bad player. I just think the money he's getting paid is obviously not worth it, but getting Buddy healed would obviously be huge. Um, like you said, Zaire Smith was a piece that I had going back to them as well, especially with the emergence of, you know, Milton and Thibel. I don't really think they need um, Smith. I would be curious if the Kings would maybe want Josh Richardson. And I don't know if they'd be able to, or be willing to move on for him for a Buddy healed. Um, I would do it. I, yeah, I would too. I think, Heald offers you way more upside on the offensive end. I think Richardson's obviously a better defender, but it's not like Heald's a terrible, you know, defender. When you got Thibel and them coming off the bench, that's kind of a – you kind of take that loss for offense for defense type thing, which always happens to come down in late games. But I think Heald's shooting ability, especially – you could tell this year they definitely missed J.J. on the three, and I just think, still think it's mind-boggling that – the 76ers decided to choose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I could I could talk about this for an hour. It's it's um and the thing the thing with them is that you can always put Simmons on the better guard and hide the other guy. So that's the luxury that they have that a lot of teams don't have. It's like the clay stuff thing. You just put stuff on whoever's worse. Um do the same thing with Heald if you if you end up in that situation. He doesn't have to guard where whoever whatever the best wing is because Toby and Ben are there. Yeah, for sure. And the next trade I have, I think, is a little bit of an interesting one. So, it's with Golden State and the Cavaliers. So, I think the Warriors getting the second pick offers them a ton of flexibility of what they want to do. I'm still not convinced that they want to keep Andrew Wiggins. And I don't think Andrew Wiggins would be a terrible fit there. I just don't know if he fits the system they want. So, I have the Warriors going out and getting Kevin Love because I think Kevin Love would fit their offense perfectly because the Warriors are very successful when they were able to run small ball. You could put Love or Draymond at the five. Love's a very, very good passer, if not one of the top five passers for a big man, or at least a power forward in the league. And obviously he's just been banged up and been on a bad Cavs team and saw Kyrie and LeBron kind of just like leave him. But I think alongside – you know, Steph and Clay, 
in Draymond, you'd be able to almost maximize his potential even at an older age and almost have him go back to like a role he was in with Minnesota where he's just going to bang and get you boards and pass it out and chip in, you know, 15, 20 a night. And then from the Cavs perspective, I have them taking back Wiggins, Kevon Looney, and Damian Lee. Wiggins, obviously, from the perspective of they want to get a great player back, got to have some salary. Um, I think Looney's a nice piece just because, obviously, I think Drummond's going to opt in. I think he'd be crazy not to opt in for the money he's going to get. And then Damian Lee's kind of just a throw-in for salary purposes. Um, But I think it'd be pretty funny for Wiggins, who, you know, was originally going to be a Cav before LeBron went back. Um, to go to Cleveland now to kind of go along with that young core with Sexton, Garland, um, Drummond, at least probably for the year, unless they move him. And then the Warriors obviously get Kevin Love, and then they have even more flexibility of what they want to do with that second pick. Yeah, I was just going to say that'd be funny for Wiggins to end up back in Cleveland finally. <laughs> but yeah, the fit for Love and, and Golden State would be great. I can see the outlet passes in my head already. They, uh, yeah, they would just need to figure out a backup five, but they're, those guys are out there. And then uh, what's your uh, next trade? Okay, so I don't think the Nets hang on to Karis LeVert. He's just a guy that, um, I don't know, Kyrie and Durant are going to shoot the ball every single time. You don't really need him, and I think he has value. Um, I like him as a player. He can't really stay on the court that much. So before before this year, I was, I was always obsessing about how the sneaky team for Bradley Beal should be Denver. Now that the now that John Wall's back, it seems like Beal's off the table, and they're going to make a run at it. I so I think Levert is the next big two on the board because I don't think McCollum's going anywhere. So I still want to fit because I love this Nuggets team, like we talked about with Murray and Jokic. I want to get them a two that's a little bit better than Gary Harris. So Karis Levert goes to Denver, and then Bull Bull, who I think you sell high on. I don't think he's going to be anything that special, but the way the internet talks about him, you might be able to get a good return for him. First round pick, and then throw in Will Barton or Gary Harris, whoever Brooklyn wants more. Actually, I had Barton here, but now that I say it out loud, I think Harris is a better fit with Brooklyn just because he guards and doesn't really need to shoot that much. He's really good fit with Irving. So I guess whichever one of those two is they want back, it basically just gets Levert to Denver, and, and Denver can really make a run at this thing. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Levert's obviously a great player. Like you said, I think his biggest thing is he just hasn't been able to stay on the court. Um, I think he showed a lot of promise, especially in the bubble, carrying that Nets team minus pretty much their entire roster. Um, but I like that fit a lot. Like you said, I think now that Wall's back, I think we heard the rumblings that Beal could potentially go there. They have to give up a lot to get him. But I, like you said, I think the Nuggets are really close, man. I thought, I mean, you and me had texted back and forth about us, but if Gary Harris or Paul Millsap showed up even just a little bit against the Lakers, I think they really could have pushed him farther even to a six, seven game series. But both of them were non-factors. Obviously Michael Porter Jr. has been, was big for them. And I think they saw exactly what they wanted to, but like you said, they need to get more, you know, scoring out of their two spot. And I think Levert's also a solid defender. So I like that trade a lot. All right. What do you got at three? Um, this one's a little bit interesting because this is a team that's very young, and I don't know if they would want to make this move. Um, but I was really impressed with how Memphis played this year because um, I think it's – I wouldn't say disrespectful, but I feel bad for Ja Morant from the perspective of 
this dude had one of probably the best rookie seasons in a long time. And it kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because Zion comes back and plays, you know, 15, 20 games and somehow still receives one vote for the rookie of the year. And I feel like no matter how well Ja was playing, and I'm not saying people didn't give him credit or people don't think Ja's good, but I think everyone was still talking about, you know, Zion. I thought that was a huge discredit to how well Ja played. But the trade I have that I think would be really interesting because I love Jackson in the front court with Ja. I think that just works very well. Um, I just don't – like Valanciunas played well for them, but I think if they want to go deeper in the playoffs and really be contenders in the West, they got to kind of upgrade. So I have the Grizzlies getting Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross from the Magic, and then the Magic getting back Valanciunas – Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson. So Anderson gives them a little more flexibility next to Aaron Gordon, Tyus Jones, a, better, a little bit of a better score and probably better down the line than DJ Augustine, obviously. And then they get a solid big man in Valanciunas um, for Vucevic. And I just think Orlando is that team that for the past few years, they always sneak into that seven, eight spot because the East has been so bad. But I think, you know, it's going to be interesting what they do. I think Aaron Gordon might be out soon. Um, I'm not sure how happy Vucevic is there. I mean, they kind of just keep getting bounced in the first round. And I think if, you know, Memphis can go out and get Vucevic and then add a guy like Ross for their bench unit as their, like, 6'7 guy off the bench, I think that um, that'd be big for Moran. Especially, I think, Vucevic would be nice next to um, Jackson because Vucevic can also shoot the three and spread the floor a lot more than Valanciunas can. Yeah, I like it. I think Memphis is definitely a playoff team last year. I mean, they were, but they weren't. Um, if they don't get so banged up down the stretch, they lost Tyus, who was huge for them, actually. he's Their bench unit was fun. Um, they might want to even ask for Augustine back in that just to get another guy who can run the second unit. But I think both both teams are good. Orlando needs to shake it up. I mean, it's just been years and years, like you said, of the same crap. I watch everybody. I never watch Orlando. I just have no interest in doing it. I they're like the most unappealing team year in, year out. I don't know how they pull it off, but Memphis is the opposite. They're, they're a blast. So I, if they can add some stuff on the fringes, like you said, I'm, I'm definitely into it. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Orlando, like I'm a basketball junkie. We're both basketball junkies. That's why we're talking about it right now. But uh, like you said, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I sat down and just, even when I had league pass and I'd watch pretty much any game, like the only time I ever watched Orlando was if they were playing like, Miami or they were like the national TV game against the Golden State or Houston or whoever they may be. And the only game I think I actually vividly remember watching like a full game was when they upset Toronto in game one last year. Even after that, I don't think I watched like the full Toronto Orlando game after that. I just watched that because it was the first game on and Augustine somehow exploded and they upset the Raptors for one game. It was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I thought the Raptors were going to be the same old typical Toronto Raptors again, and then they won the championship. <laughs> um, and then, so to end the show today, we're going to talk about one team in the East and one team in the West that we think are going to make the biggest jump next season. So I'll let you start um, again of giving your East and West team that you think is going to make the biggest jump. Okay, I guess the West is tough because you got to kind of make space for these guys. I don't know who they're going to – I'm thinking about who they're going to jump to, not just who's going to jump. Yeah. Like I said, I think Houston drops. Um, Portland might 
not make the playoffs. I don't know. But the team that – it's not Memphis, unfortunately. I think they might fall back. I like Phoenix. I like what I saw from them in the bubble. I think, obviously, Booker's a stud. Aiton keeps getting better. And I really like the way they've surrounded those two guys. Um, Ricky Rubio – it's just Ricky Rubio is a competent point guard. When you have a guy that can settle you down, get you a good shot, it really makes a huge difference. It's the only time Booker's ever had that. And you can see how much better he was for it. Um, I like Malik Bridges or Mikael Bridges. I like, um, you know, Sarge does enough if he's back. Cam Johnson shoots the crap out of the ball. Um, and then they have some money. They can move Kelly Oubre or whatever they want to do. So I think that roster gets a little improved. And I just think Aiton keeps growing. And, um, you know, Booker finally makes the all-star team next year. So that's my West team. All right. And then um, let's go with your East then as well. And then I'll do my East and West. Okay. I gun to my head here. <laughs> I don't the bottom of the east still stinks. I think um Atlanta wants to win. I know that. I think Chicago does too, but I don't I don't know about Zach Levine after being in the playoffs. I so Trey Young is this offensive stud, obviously. They get Clint Capella in there. He hasn't played yet. So at the very least they can pick and roll with those two guys. You get you just gotta count on one guy out of Herder. Reddish, DeAndre Hunter making the jump. So I like John Collins a lot too. He was he he, he suspended last year. Yeah. You know Did steroids or something. And he so if they have uh you know young Capella Collins and then if they get a jump from somebody else, I think they might be able to sneak into that eight seven spot. Because like I I hope Orlando, like we just talked about, is going is out of there, but we'll we'll see about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, the East compared to the West, it's so hard to, for the West at least, to take one of those bottom spots. Um, East, so much easier. I feel like the bottom three of the East changes almost every other year. Um, as far as the West, for me, um, I like the Pelicans. I know I just kind of blew up on Zion a little bit, kind of taking away from Jocks. I really like Job, but I mean, it's kind of hard not to be intrigued by the Pelicans. Obviously, we have to see what they're going to do um, coaching-wise. But um, just the core, obviously they have to bring back Ingram. Um, I think him and Ball are restricted for age, or maybe Ball has one more year left. I'm, I don't really um, fully remember, but, you know. Yeah, Ingram's Ingram going to get a max. That's I think that's that's pretty pretty solid. They're yeah, not going to let him leave. I think no, the name that neither was said in the trade part was Drew Holiday, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but if he's if he's back, I could see them making a jump for sure. But I do think he needs to be there, or if they trade him, they need a they need a solid piece back to really do this. Yeah, because I mean Ingram obviously showed this year he him you know Adebayo were in the conversation for most improved. I think Ingram had a great year. Um, Lonzo Ball is obviously an elite passer. I think his shooting still needs to get better, but I think he does exactly what you want him to do from a point guard pers- perspective of. You know, he's going to probably get you 12 to 13 points a game, but he'll get you eight boards and eight assists a game, um, if not more on the assist part. Um, Drew Holiday is obviously the big question mark. I really like their front court. I like Zion a lot. I think Hayes is actually underrated on the pick they had last year. Um, Derek Favors, I don't really know what they're going to do with him. Um, I doubt that they're going to bring him back, but um, I think having a guy like J.J. Redick there is good, just having that veteran presence. But, like, I think – you said holiday stuff with a big question mark. And then obviously whatever coach they bring in um, is going to be key. 
And then as far crossing as... my fingers that it's D'Antoni, that would be really fun. Yeah, I think that would actually be a decent fit. Um, Zion and D'Antoni just having him run and run and run, and then like you said, just Lonzo Ball throwing the ball eighty feet up ahead of him every time. That'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then, like you said, East is so hard to. Um, you know, pick like I like the Bulls. I'm a big Zach Levine guy. I don't think he can carry a team by himself, so I'm not gonna like pick the Bulls. I think the obvious answer actually for the East is actually the Wizards. I just think that Beal's an absolute stud. I don't know how he didn't make any of the all like all all like first and first, second, or third team. I think that's absolutely absurd. I mean, he was, like, one of four players. I think it was, like, averaging 36-5 and five or something through a full season. How he didn't make an all-star was also mind-boggling. I mean, I know he was on a bad team, but, I mean, Atlanta sucked too, and, like, Trey Young was a starter. Um, but I just think Wall back with Beal, that's still a top-five backcourt in the NBA, in my opinion. Obviously, we have to see if Wall's fully healthy. The biggest thing with Washington, they've just been so cap-tied with these Bad contracts they've even out, you know, Jan Mahimi. Horrible. Just, it's so frustrating. I mean, obviously they overpaid John Wall, but John Wall just a few years ago was, like, people were talking about him being a top point guard in the NBA with, like, Staff, Dame, Kyrie. No, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's a hindsight thing. When people say the overpay thing, You, it, it's not up to them. They have to pay him that. It's like the Conley tr- contract. Unless you want the guy to walk for nothing, you have to do it. Yeah, and I mean, you're, the last you're, time, you're you have to do it. The last time we saw him, you know, he was in the playoffs against Toronto, and that was a series that no one gave them a chance, in, and they pushed it six games because Wall was just unreal the year before. They were, you know, a few plays away from beating the Celtics in Game 7 and going on and facing the Cavs, which would have definitely posed a better matchup after IT got hurt for the Celtics. You know, Wall and Beal against that LeBron team, I thought would have actually had a legitimate shot, um, just based on how they were playing. But I just like that team. You know, I think, I think they back. traded. Uh, they traded Kelly Oubre in the first for Trevor Ariza. I think that year they yeah. just they they have no idea where where they what they're doing. But I agree with you that that the players are studs. Yeah, their front office just had no, like they just didn't know what they were doing. I like their the, like a few of the young guys that they picked. Like I like Rui Hachimura a lot. Um, I think Troy Brown developed nicely this year. Um, I What's think the shooter's guys name? Like, I'm blanking right now. What was that? What's the? I'm blanking on the shooter's name. The, the absolute sharpshooter, the big uh, Burton's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a free agent, I think. But they'll probably hang on to him. Yeah, I mean, like they kind of just threw stuff around Beal of a bunch of young, scrappy players, and we're hoping to find some guys. I think he was one of them. Burton's was one of them. Yeah, they scored like 140 points a game. They just gave up 150. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they were just terrible defensively. I just think they just need to, they need to add someone at the center position that can score and lock it up defensively, and then they just need better production out of that small forward. I mean, I think Troy Brown's decent. I still think he's a few years away from being. I think he's a four too. Yeah, I think he. I think he's still a few years away. I like Hachimura. Like I said, I think he's developed nicely. Throwing away Ubre for literally nothing was really stupid because I think he's a very solid player. 
Um, I wouldn't mind seeing DeMarcus Cousins going there because I think just him and Wall together would be kind of cool. Obviously, Cousins just can't stay healthy right now. But he would kind of be a big man that if he even gives them 80% of what he was before, if he can get them 15 and 10 a night, that'd be a huge upgrade for them. And at the bottom part of the East, I mean, I don't think they're going to scare anyone. But, I mean, for a team like Brooklyn or Milwaukee to see Wall and Beal coming at you in the first round, I don't think they're going to be a team that's taken lightly. So, Sure. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate you coming on, Zach. Obviously, we're going to be having a lot more podcasts in the future. Appreciate you joining the English Encore podcast crew. And uh, we will be in touch soon. My pleasure, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you.